one reason why we don't trash creation um, is because it's the theater of God's glory. You don't trash God's theater. You, you don't obscure uh, the beauty which points men to God. The reason we care for the environment is, A, to honor our creator, and B, in order to love our neighbor as ourselves. We share the world, and so it is also a matter of caring for one another. You're listening to the Holy Joys Podcast, co-hosted by Jonathan Arnold and Dr. David Fry. Visit us at holyjoys.org and stay tuned for weekly discussions of theology and ministry practice, all for a holy, happy church. All right, we're back together to talk about what we're preaching. And you shared a sermon with me here recently I thought was pretty interesting. You preached for Earth Day, is that correct, or in connection with Earth Day? Right. Uh, the Sunday prior to Earth Day, I preached on creation care and uh, in conjunction with, uh, of course, Easter season and what we thought was going to be a, you know, the beginning full-blown spring season. And we ended up having snow like two days later. So I had more than a few people come to me and say, you preached that one week too early (laughs) because we're getting snow. Yeah. So the extent of my um, knowledge about Earth Day growing up was the about those stinking tree huggers. So tell me why you're not a liberal fruitcake and why you think this is something that Christians should (laughs) actually think about. (laughs) Right, right. It it is another one of those issues that I think uh, Christians ought to be on the leading edge instead of uh, of you know the re- the reactionaries coming from behind. You know, um, and the reason is because this is an important issue, uh, creation care, because uh, it's important to God, and God's word has a lot to say about. Uh, creation care has a lot to say about uh, about general revelation and how we can see uh, see something of God through uh, creation. Uh, God's fingerprints, so to speak, are all over the world, and if we, as Christians, don't point that out and don't draw people's attention to that, they're going to interpret nature and see nature very differently. And I think one of the big differences between a a secular environmentalist approach and a Christian, you know, creation care approach is that you know the the uh, how did you say it uh, liberal tree hugger uh, type <laughs> uh, they tend to see humanity as the enemy of nature, and for sure humanity has done. You know, a lot, even in, in my lifetime, has has you know, through wars and and um, you know greed and a lot a lot of those things that cause exploitation of resources. Um, certainly, that's happened, but Christians have a different idea and view of the world. Um, that is that the world is here for our enjoyment and. Uh, you know, words like exploitation are a little tricky. Uh, does exploitation take place? Yes, it does. 
but there may be a, a line that needs to be more clearly defined between usefulness, making use of what God has given to us and trusted to us and exploiting it in a greedy way. Uh, and, uh, and Christians need to make some distinctions there. Uh, but uh, central point being for Christians, uh, humanity is at the center of creation and for you know secular um, secular environmentalists uh, humanity is the pure enemy of of nature and so those are two very different worldviews and and we need to uh, you know espouse a clear doctrine of creation and humanity together yeah so you mentioned general revelation um, reminded me of Calvin's great image of creation as the theater of God's glory. So one reason why we don't trash creation um, is because it's the theater of God's glory. You don't trash God's theater. You you don't obscure uh, the beauty which points men to God. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's helpful. And you, you're using this term creation, creation care. Maybe talk a little bit more about um, you're very intentional, you know, with that, that's loaded with a lot of meaning. Why are you, why are you using that particular, uh, term so much? Yeah, creation care is the phrase that evangelical Christians have been using for a few decades. And, uh, although evangelicals were a little slow, uh, getting on board with, uh, really giving attention to, uh, to creation care in the environment and nature. Uh, the you know, various movements such as the Earth Day movement, which goes, goes back to 1970, uh, evangelicals began to say, you know, hey, this is something we need to be giving attention to as well. You know, this is a, a biblical mandate, very clear mandate given uh, to Adam and Eve. And so we need to be involved in this conversation. Uh, but instead of identifying as environmentalists uh, they I don't know where you know who used the term first but it, it gained currency uh, creation care and so you have a lot of books out there that have been written by by Christians and that's typically the phrase that they use creation care and the, the importance of it is that obviously it uses a a theistic word creation you know, it's not, we're not referring just to nature, right. but this is created nature. Uh, it's not something that just happened, but it's something that's intentional. So that that is a worldview matter. And then care speaks to our responsibility as human beings. Uh, we are given and trusted to us by God, uh, the, the created world. And, uh, you know, we read... Of course, in Genesis two of of Adam's uh, care for uh, for the garden and for the animals and for the created world, and of course that didn't seem to last very long before it fell. But that mandate still applies to us, and um, God intends for us to still heed His word and plan. What would you say to somebody who says, "Well"? That was God's plan for Adam before the fall, but now that this world has fallen, God's going to destroy it 
you know, it's going to be burned up with fire. I heard this growing up. So why do, why do we care, you know, about the environment? It's all going to be burned up, you know, and destroyed anyway. Um, now that creation has fallen and Christ has come, all that matters is the Great Commission. Uh, the saving of souls is the only thing you need to worry about uh, because we're all going to leave this world anyway. Uh, that's probably the main objection I've heard. It's kind of like a pseudo theological mm-hmm. argument. What would you say to that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the reason th- that reason there is why there has been such a strong recovery of the Christian view of the world. And part of this creation care, uh, I mean, this precedes the, the, you know, modern, you know, environmentalist and creation care movements, but uh, there has been a, strong effort to recover a a physical theology, what I just call a physical theology, that God doesn't make trash. Now, we talked about this in our uh, podcast on heaven and uh, looking at you know the metaphor of you know the earth burning up. And you find this in the Old Testament. We find this in the New Testament, particularly in Peter's epistles. Uh, but that's apocalyptic language. And uh, most interestingly... Uh, when Peter uh, speaks of the earth burning up in Second uh, Peter three, uh, people overlook the fact that he uses Noah's flood as the example of what's got of what God is going to do to the earth. And you, if you think of that example, what remained after the flood? The earth remained. <laughs> God didn't didn't throw the earth away he cleansed it of wickedness and that's what God's intention is, is for this. Now, what is wickedness? Well, it's not nature because God declared that very good. And what, what God declared good, he is not going to destroy or throw away. He is going to recover it and, and renew it and set it back on track for where it ought to be going. So, uh, and then the other passage I think is so critical uh, on this is Romans, uh, Romans 8, right? Uh, Romans 8, uh, 19, creation is awaiting with eager longing, happy anticipation is how I like to translate that. Uh, Happy anticipation for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 21, uh, creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, Uh, and not only is creation waiting, but we are waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons. So all of the natural world is longing to be freed from this burden that comes through humanity, through Adam's sin. Uh, all of all, Even the nat- natural world has been corrupted, but it's waiting for uh, the day of redemption. Uh, looking for and hastening, as Peter tells us to do, uh, so is all of creation looking for and hastening the day of God. Yeah. So to re- go back to this creation care point for a second and read something, a little excerpt from your sermon here, I thought was really good. Um, caring for creation without seeing the glory of the creator is like reading a book without understanding the point. This is the difference between the two approaches. Mere environmentalism ends up being a human focused concern, whereas Christian creation care seeks to honor the creator. And so the danger I think that you're pointing out is that we would react against mere environmentalism and its human focus by 
just saying, well, then it just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we care for the environment <laughs> rather than saying, no, we actually have different reasons for caring for the creation. And we don't, we're not going to go to these extremes because certainly there have been, there have been extremes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really helpful. Certainly. Right. Right. And and so it's those extremes that kind of put a bad taste in the mouth of, you know, a Christian who, who, should understand that we do all things for the glory of Christ. Um, and they see or hear these just incredible stories of someone saving an animal or a tree or, or an iceberg to the expense of human life, right. Or mm-hmm. to the, uh, to the oversight of, of humanity itself. And, and, and that's a fundamentally different approach and worldview because we don't do these things to you know, a Christian, we don't care for the environment to the expense of humanity. The reason we care for the environment is a to honor our Creator, and b in order to love our neighbor as ourselves. We share the world, and so it is also a matter of of caring for one another. Uh, and so, uh, you know, all of that ought to inform our approach to uh, to nature and uh, to 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 creation. So, if there are those out there who are interested in reading a little bit more about how Christians have thought about creation and creation care, I would recommend starting with uh, the uh, first nine sermons by Basel of Caesarea. Now, the first nine sermons uh, by Basel are on Genesis, well, really just the creation account, and just beautiful sermons, uh, just absolutely magnificent. I I cite him, I I quote him several times in uh, my own sermon. Uh, Absolutely worth your time reading those nine sermons. And unfortunately, they're, they were not complete, or at least we don't have all the sermons. Uh, we have the first nine. He, he mentions other sermons that he is going to be giving, but we don't have those. Uh, but the ones we have are absolutely magnificent. And, and one of the things I like about those sermons is that he ends with a, a prayer. And uh, in fact, the prayer that I included in my sermon is an, an adaptation of uh, one of his prayers. And I think it's just uh, beautifully, beautifully written. Uh, just a masterful sermon writer, uh, Basel was. Yeah, in June for our uh, patristics reading, we will be uh, reading Basel, and we have recommended there on our reading list his sermons on creation. So make sure to link those. You had sent me a quote from Basel. Uh, we posted on Holy Joys for Earth Day. The world is a work of art set before all for contemplation so that through it, the wisdom of him who created it should be known. Um, And so I guess uh, to come back to loving your neighbor, that is one of the ways that we love our neighbor by preserving the beauty of God's uh, general revelation so that they can see uh, through it, God's own uh, wisdom and, um, and beauty. There is one other objection that I want to mention here and respond to. So some people will say, you know, there are certain days, uh, you know, Halloween would be one of these, uh, perhaps Earth Day and maybe some other days that Christians ought to just steer clear of, just stay away. That's that's totally 
secular or evil and we need to just steer away from it. Um, I don't totally disagree with that, but I, I don't, I, I want to issue this warning and that is that if there's something there, if there's a kernel of, of truth and beauty, don't forfeit that. Don't give that up just because it's been corrupted. And so, for instance, Halloween is All Saints Day Eve. Um, you know, I, I there are so many things I don't like about Halloween. Uh, there are so many things I don't like about Earth Day. But there's something that is good and beautiful and holy and true that a Christian ought to have a clear vision of. And this is an opportunity for us to be a redemptive presence in the world in the midst of a world that is searching for beauty through Earth Day and saying there is beauty and this beauty reflects the glorious and beautiful and happy God that we serve. And isn't it so kind of him to share that beauty with us? And so we, we can, as Christians, we can declare those things and find that that kernel of truth in these different moments and, and days that people celebrate and be a redemptive presence for good. Yeah, so uh, we are a ways removed from Halloween, but let's talk about that for a minute because uh, I have I've rethought this a bit. Um, you know, I've been so just disgusted by some of the things that I've seen in the last couple of years. Um, it's just like getting so disturbing, um, right here in our little town. I mean, like bloody handprints on the, you know, on the windows everywhere. I mean, it's just so perverse and, uh, you know, I have pretty much just steered clear of it. You know, we have reformation day. So we spent some time to inform people about the reformation. we actually had a little reformation party with our youth group a couple of years back and had a Martin Luther cake and, you know, talked about it. So we tried to find ways, you know, to turn it into something, um, but I, but I do know, you know, we have very interesting history. Uh, basically we, you know, as the church, it's Halloween was our day, right. You know, and then it just got totally perverted. So why don't you talk about that a little more? I'd like, cause I just want to hear what you have to say, like how do you observe it? Um, give a little bit more of the history. Maybe it's a very interesting, um, illustration of how more more general principle that we have a tendency to just. Um, you know, ha- take this separatist approach versus a more redemptive, engaging approach with culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I treat uh, All Saints Day and All Saints Day Eve uh, as the kind of the culmination of our celebration of the church as the body of Christ. You know, now uh, that you know that season, that long season of Pentecost, it you know that what's traditionally called ordinary time, the time of the church, the time of celebrating, uh, you know, God's people in, in holy fellowship. And, uh, and, and so we, we tend to focus on that during that time of the year. Obviously you have reformation. We, we celebrate reformation. We remind people of the theological significance of reformation, uh, why we are Protestant and why that's important. Uh, but, uh, the other aspect is that you know All Saints Day and obviously Halloween is a perverted. Uh, do you call it celebration? I don't know what you would call it, but it's a perverted holiday of uh, of, of death. And there is a Christian theology of death, 
and we need to put out uh, the truth about death and talk about what death is and how it is that Christians uh, uh, view the passing of life from this age and uh, the eternality of our uh, and immortality of our resurrected bodies. Um, it is a time generally in which I reflect on those who have passed on before us. We, we recall the stories, we talk about them, we, ha- we um, just share uh, about the people here in our local church who have passed on, and we try to keep their memory alive. I think that's important for children and grandchildren uh, to hear us talk about uh, those that we're following. And so we do that, and um, at the same time, trying to uh, place death in perspective, not in this uh, gross or even uh, in some ways childish and extreme ways would be very evil and, and uh, diabolical. Not in those ways. Uh, we need to show forth the truth. And that's an opportunity. I, I've said for years, it's an opportunity for the church to be a redemptive presence. Uh, you know, we've done things like pass out candy from the church parking lot. We've done things and I've said, you know what, we're going to, we're not going to dress up as whatever, you know, a Disney character. We're not going to, you know, if, if we want to share, if we want to, you know, someone wants to decorate their car as a Noah's Ark or something, <laughs> let's introduce them to truth. Right. And, and so we've done that in the past. Uh, let's, let's give them truth here. Let's, let's use an occasion uh, not to, you know, dress up as something else, but let's let's decorate as biblical characters telling biblical stories uh, in order to draw them in. Right? We'll give them candy. We want to make sure they're getting truth somehow uh, during that time. Now, some people would uh, think, well, no, that's that's even too far. You know, don't whatever you do, don't give them Bible stories on that day. <laughs> uh, that's a little sarcasm, but uh, no, I mean, there are some who just aren't comfortable at all because yeah. obviously you have people coming, you have kids from the community coming and they're dressed up as goblins or whatever, yeah. witches and stuff. Uh, yeah. You have that for sure. Uh, but you know, I think the church, we, we are called to be a redemptive presence and uh, we are to take the truth of God wherever it, it needs to be taken. And whenever it needs to be taken, so maybe you could dress up as Martin Luther this year. I have before. Are you actually, serious? I actually have a Martin Luther. I do. I have a Martin Luther outfit uh, that I have uh, that I've used for you know, several years. If you send me that picture, I think we're going to get a lot more clicks on this podcast. I thought about titling oh, it. What What hath Earth Day to do with Halloween? Uh, but anyway, very oh, yeah. interesting. Very oh. interesting. So, I, so one last question here. I don't know if this is true because I haven't studied the history. Do you know? Is it true that originally, um, you know, the dressing up was a way that Christians actually were mocking the devil and demons and were were you know kind of making light of it because death has become this thing that Athanasius says children play with. You know, he describes this and we're just read on the incarnation of the word. He talks about how, you know, death is like this thing that children can run, run towards. It's like a, a dark room that's been flooded with light. The child's not afraid to go there anymore. You know, his father's went ahead of him and turned on the lights. Like there's no fear of it. So the church would, you know, dr- you know, dress. Is that, is that, is there any historicity to that? There may be, I have, I've actually read a couple of different books on Halloween in particular and uh, from a Christian perspective, the history is actually quite 
ambiguous. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of different connection, possible connections. And this is true of a lot of different holidays, uh, but Halloween especially. Uh, the first thing I would say is that it is a fairly new holiday relative to you know other days that are on our Christian calendar. Uh, it is relatively new and it is very much a Western thing, you know, European, North America. And, um, and the, the reactions to it have been very, very broad. So some Christians have been very quick to, to embrace, embrace it. Others, I know, uh, those from the uh, Latino cult- culture, uh, so we have a, a Spanish congregation here. Uh, they are very adverse to it because from their cultures in South America and Central America, it was just really demonic and had all the appearances of that. And so um, so they were, uh, several were very, very slow when they heard that we were going to do, uh, you know, give out candy in the church parking lot. And they weren't sure they wanted to participate. And, and they do now, they have. But so there've been a lot of reactions, but a lot of the confusion really does have to do with exactly what are the associations. But I want to be careful, or at least warn people to not fall into the genetic fallacy of saying because this, you know, because an event or uh, you know something is associated with something else, therefore it's necessarily wrong, or because it has this particular history, it's necessarily wrong. Now it could be wrong, but that in itself is not enough to conclude that it is necessarily evil. And so we don't want to fall into that genetic fallacy. Uh, again, all has to come back, you know, can we can we run this through the grid of the gospel? You know, what comes out on the other side? Um, you know, is there an opportunity to be redemptive? So yeah, I, I think if, uh, if you do some research and, and reading, you're going to find a lot of different uh, ideas about the history of it. Thank you for listening to the Holy Joys podcast. Email your questions to podcast at holyjoys.org and they may be featured on a future episode. Our labors for a holy, happy church are supported by generous listeners like you. Please pray about partnering with us at holyjoys.org forward slash donate.